hello again. It's Sunday. The weekend is over already. What happened? Kind of went really, really quickly. Not to worry. I'm off to London tomorrow to see a friend of mine, which will be very nice. I am Lucy. I am here in my little house, in my little studio in my little house in lovely Surrey, where it's crispy cold outside, but it hasn't been raining, which is always a blessing. I want to start off this evening with a few shout outs. I'm going to get those in early. So I've got a few shout outs tonight. Big Foxy hello to my podcast followers, Daniel Snow, Craig Bees, Gordon Bombay, Jerry Sandeville and Kevin Scribner. 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 (laughs) Hello to you guys. Thanks very much for getting in touch and listening and providing feedback. It's greatly appreciated. Have you had a good weekend, everybody? I've had a lovely weekend. I forgot to say, I was talking to you all yesterday and I forgot to say that I did a a live chat on Friday evening uh, with my Foxy Geek Girl followers. You can catch me on Instagram and YouTube as Foxy Geek Girl. So I did a Foxy Geek Girl live on Friday night. I hadn't done one for quite some time, I have to say. So I had quite a few people come online and quite a few people chatting away, which was always very nice to catch up with everybody. So if you do follow me on either my Instagram or YouTube under Foxy Geek Girl, you never know. You might catch me on a live having a little chat with everybody. The conversations can be about absolutely anything and we often digress into various conversations. So if you want to take part in any of that madness, then please keep an eye out. Join me on those social media channels and keep an eye out for those. Of course, I have my exclusive hangout area for Foxy After Dark, which is patreon.com forward slash Foxy After Dark, which is all my podcasts where I share with you all the fabulous old time radio shows from the 40s, 50s and 60s. Some are funny, some are adventurous, some are a little bit of mystery. We change it up every day to see what kind of takes the mood. But you'll always know that if I've got a series running, you can tune in on the same day each week to hear that particular episode. Last night was Step to and Son, so on Saturday nights we have a little bit of comedy. On a Sunday night, you, well, you'll find out in a minute what it's going to be on a Sunday night. But I hope you've had a good weekend. I've had a nice weekend. I've had a very social weekend, which is always very pleasant, without too much work on my part. I probably should have uh, done a bit more. I did my shopping yesterday in the end. Those of you that were listening last night will know that I was having a real struggle over my shopping list. I'm sure when it comes to making my meals this week, I will have missed so much off the shopping list and there'll be different things that I would have forgotten about. So those meals might turn out to be disastrous or maybe certain foods partnered with things you wouldn't expect. But we will see. But that was um, that was my dilemma yesterday. Shopping after meeting some friends, taking the dog for a nice long walk. And today I've had a relatively lazy day, but I have been out and about. And again, it's been very social, which is very nice. Enough about what I have been doing and what I've got lined up. What have we got here tonight? Well, time for some Sunday evening mystery and adventure with our weekly visit to 221B Baker Street, the home of Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. Did Dr. Watson actually live there, though? I don't know if you did. I think he used to just come and go. The home of Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson when he came to visit with a mystery called The Fabulous Celebrities. Sit back and enjoy. From New York City, the makers of Clipper Craft Clothes for Men and more than 1,200 leading retail stores from coast to coast present to Arthur Conan Doyle's immortal character, the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes, starring John Stanley. This week's story, The Adventure of the Fabulous Celebrity. 
Holmes, all I see in this warehouse are these large crates of heavy machinery. Dash it, what are we doing here in the dead of night, anyway? What are we looking for? A killer, Watson. Uh, a killer? Precisely. At any moment now, I... Watson, that pile of crates is toppling down toward us. Look out! <laughs> At the door of Dr. John Watson's study, and we're about to hear another of his adventures with the great Sherlock Holmes. Well, Mr. Harris, good <laughs> oh, evening. Doctor. Good evening, Dr. Watson. How did work on your memoirs, I see. I am indeed, Mr. Harris. At the moment, I've just finished a rather extraordinary adventure in which Holmes, after experiencing great threat of personal danger, finally trapped a dangerous killer who for many days had terrorized London. Mm, sounds interesting, Dr. Watson. What's this case called? My friend Holmes always referred to it as the adventure of the fabulous celebrities. Before I relate it to you, Mr. Harris, suppose you give our audience a word on that celebrated product, Clipper Craft Glow. Certainly. When it comes to quality, there are certain identification marks you can always trust. For example, the sterling mark on fine silver and the Clipper Craft label sewn in the lining of truly fine clothes. Both symbols of superior quality and value. Clippercraft clothes are produced in historic New England by craftsmen with a tradition as proud as that which built and sailed the Yankee clipper ships to rule the seven seas. Make it your custom always to look for the Clippercraft label, the wheel of a Clippercraft ship. You'll find it in Clippercraft's remarkably expensive-looking topcoats and overcoats, priced at only forty to forty-seven fifty. You'll discover it in Clippercraft's sensational new zipper lining topcoat, one of the smartest Clippercraft style ideas that ever stretched your hard-earned dollars. Yes, when it comes to quality, compare Clippercraft with clothes selling for many dollars more. And now, Dr. Watson, what about this adventure of the fabulous celebrities? Well, Mr. Harris, it began in the year 1901, a year when Holmes was at the very pinnacle of success. By the turn of the century, as you know, the name of Sherlock Holmes was famous in every corner of the civilized world. And people stared at him whenever he walked out of our quarters at Baker Street. And then, very suddenly, it became very dangerous to be a celebrated person in the city of London. In the short space of three weeks, four persons of great prominence were struck down by a mysterious assassin. And finally, in great desperation, Inspector Lestrade asked us to appear at Scotland Yard. Mr. Holmes, you understand Scotland Yard's conducting its own investigation of these baffling murders. Oh, quite, Inspector Lestrade. Quite. In due time, of course, we should no doubt trap this peculiar assassin. However, knowing your taste for the unusual and admitting that you have some talent in these matters... Coming I... from you, Inspector, I consider that a great compliment. <laughs> it is indeed. We've never been reluctant to give the official police a hand in these uh, unusual matters, eh, Holmes? No, Watson, we have not. Now then, Inspector. Yes, yes, Mr. Let us review the facts. A mysterious and deadly killer is roaming the metropolis of London. His special victims are persons of great prominence... In the last three weeks, he's assassinated a great English beauty, a champion heavyweight pugilist, a world-famous astronomer, and a famous admiral. Yes, and every one of them a likely candidate for any Hall of Fame. Quite, Watson, quite. But to continue, Inspector, in each case, the celebrated victims' valuables were not taken from their corpses. In short, we may deduce that those important people were murdered for some other motive rather than money. That is correct, Mr. Holmes. But we have found no clue, no trace. Exactly, Inspector Lestrade. You found no clue, no trace. 
You have let the trail go cold, and we must make a fresh start. Come, Watson. Where to, Holmes? Baker Street, my dear fellow, Baker Street. To think, to plan, to use the tools of logic. Assuming, of course, that we are fortunate enough to find a cab in this foul weather. Why, Joe, Holmes, we're in luck. There's a cab at the curb right here on Derby Street. You can just make it out in this uh, beastly fog. Yes, Watson. Hello there. Hello, cab! Well, he's seen us. You know, I must say I anticipated a dreary and chilly wait. It's rather a surprise. The cab driver. He's driving his horse straight. Holmes, he's trying to run us down. Look out! Uh, Holmes, uh, are you all right? Yes, Watson, I'm quite all right. Just managed to get out of the way of those horses. Yes, but that driver, what the deuce was he trying to do? Obvious, my dear Watson. He was trying to kill me. Kevin Holmes, we're finally here at Baker Street. I've had a feeling that some kind of danger was stalking us through this wretched fog. Yes, quite, Watson. As for myself, I'm aware of the danger, not as a mere presentiment, but as an actual fact. What do you mean? The driver of the carriage on Derby Street. He might very well be the assassin we seek. Remember, Watson, I am a person of some renown and am therefore vulnerable to his rather peculiar taste for victims. But here's our door. Yes. What we need now, Holmes, is a good fire... Holmes! The top of the steps, outside our flat! There's someone lurking there. I can see a shadow. Quick, Watson, down. Down there! Holmes! Holmes, are you... I'm all right. Bullet just grazed my neck, went through the collar of my greatcoat. Quick, up the stairs, after him! Well, Holmes, the beggar went up the stairs onto the roof. I lost him in the fog, curse it. Holmes. Yes, Watson. Do you think this assassin is... Is the same who has accounted for the others? Yes, I most certainly think he is. The driver of that carriage and the man lurking in our hallway are one and the same. Well, Holmes, you've got to be careful. He's made two attempts on your life in one night. The beggar may try still again. Undoubtedly he will, Watson. It seems that for the moment the hunter becomes the hunted. But I hope to reverse that order in a very short time. Dash it, Holmes. I must say you're rather matter-of-fact about this whole thing. Quite, Watson. I'm thoroughly aware that my personal existence is in great jeopardy. But I cannot allow any emotion on this score to cloud my reason. The assassin who seeks my life is a very cool fellow. And I must meet him on his own ground. But the hour is late, Watson. There'll be time enough tomorrow to deal with my assailant. Let me in. Better have your pistol ready, Watson. Yes, I'm already, Holmes. Wonder what the juice the beggar wants. Three o'clock in the morning. We shall soon see, my dear fellow. Well, it's Sir Hartley Ames, governor of the Bank of England. Mr. Holmes, shut the door quick. By Jove, he's, uh, he's got a gash across his cheek. Yes, yes, Dr. Watson. An assassin attacked me with a knife near my home. Just grazed me. But it's not serious. The bleeding stopped. Mr. Holmes, I... I came straight here. Uh, pray be seated, Sir Hartley. Rest yourself. Oh, thank you. Now then, you say you were attacked? Yes, Mr. Holmes, yes. I, I couldn't get a glimpse of him in the fog, but I think the fellow followed me to your very door. Hmm. 
Interesting. Very. Then, Holmes, it must be the same fellow. Undoubtedly, Watson. The killer is abroad tonight pursuing his strange custom of hunting illustrious persons, such as uh, Sir Hartley. Uh, how does it happen, Sir Hartley, that you didn't go to the official police? Oh, impossible, Dr. Watson. That could mean only disaster. The financial structure of the empire is based on delicate factors. If it became known that my life was in jeopardy, it might cause a panic on the exchange, a, a run on the bank. Sir Hartley is quite right, Watson. Oh, Mr. Holmes... What shall I do? At the moment, there's but one thing to do, Sir Hartley. Dr. Watson and I will escort you to your home, and when you get there, lock your door and bolt your windows, and under no circumstances leave unless I summon you. Well, Holmes, now that we've seen Sir Hartley safely under lock and key, we can look forward to a night's sleep, eh? Good Lord, it's five in the morning. Yes, Watson, it's good to be back at Baker Street. Yes, especially in view of this beastly weather. The fog has turned to rain. Oh, someone's coming our way. Yes. Begging your pardon, gentlemen, which one of you is Sherlock Holmes? I am Sherlock Holmes. Ah, indeed. So you are the great Holmes, the world's most famous detective. Look here, old man. I... Oh, please, Watson. Now then, sir, state your business. Oh, oh, my dear, Mr. Holmes, I have no business. It, it, uh, it's just that I wanted to uh, look at you. It isn't often a poor man like myself can stand face to face with a great person like yourself. No, indeed, it isn't often. I must say you look exactly like your photographs. Exactly. Thank you. I am flattered. And uh, now, my good man, if you had your fill of staring at me, we should like to enter our quarters. Oh, no offense, Mr. Holmes, no offense at all. <laughs> it's just that I'll be able to tell my friend I've talked with a great Holmes. Uh, the cheek of the fellow Holmes. The infernal impudence of the bounder. Watson. Eh? Did you notice that old man's coat and shoes? I know. Interesting. Very. Holmes, what in blazes are you talking about? First, Watson, the man's coat was hardly wet, yet it's raining. Yes, I know. Second, certain areas of his boots seem to be waterproofed. The rain dampened the leather only in spotches. Well, what of it? I merely mention these as elementary observations, Watson, which may or may not be too significant. But for the first time, I believe I see a glimmer of light in this very intriguing adventure. Well, Dr. Watson, so far it's been quite a story. Yes, Mr. Harris. And I might add that events thereafter shaped themselves with dizzying speed. I shall relate to you the second half of this remarkable adventure after you tell your audience some remarkable facts about Clippercroft Cliffs. They are remarkable indeed, Dr. Watson. When I describe the qualities of Clippercraft clothes to you, I myself sometimes think that Clippercraft values seem too good to be true. But Clippercraft fabrics are actually as luxurious as they are long on wear. And the superior talent of Clippercraft experts shows up admirably in the smart hang of your jacket, the comfortable, roomy fit of your Clippercraft suit. It's when you check all these superb features against the amazingly low price for suits bearing the Clippercraft label that you realize Clippercraft values are nothing short of sensational. Only $40 and $45. Why, even a pure worsted suit with the Clippercraft label costs only $45. Yes, you save plenty. Because more than 1,200 independent stores throughout America have concentrated their vast purchasing power to make these great Clippercraft values possible. That's why men who know insist on Clippercraft clothes bearing the Clippercraft label. 
So be sure to visit the Clipper Craft Store in your city. These leading stores in the metropolitan area are proud to add their names to Clipper Craft in your suits, top coats, and overcoats. In Manhattan, Saks 34th, Broadway at 34th. John Wanamaker Men's Stores, Broadway at 8th and 67 Liberty Street. In Brooklyn, Abraham and Strauss. In Newark, New Jersey, Boulevard Men's Shop, Kresge, Newark. And in Jamaica, the B&B Clothes Shop, 16408 Jamaica Avenue. And now, Dr. Watson, you are relating to us the adventure of the fabulous celebrity. Yes, Mr. Harris, I was. On the evening after our encounter with the strange old man, a note was thrust under our door. It carried the waxen seal of the Bank of England, and its signer was Sir Hartley Ames. It was an urgent message from Sir Hartley, bidding us to meet him that night at a warehouse he owned at Iron Gate Wharf, near London Bridge. The note said simply that Sir Hartley had some new and vital information on the assassin, and he wished to transmit this information to us. I was watching my friend's face as he finished reading the letter, and I saw his eyes narrow. Then quickly, Holmes examined the seal through his magnifying glass. Aha. What is it? My dear Watson, this seal of the Bank of England is a forgery. A forgery? Precisely. A devilishly clever piece of work. A fine imitation. The forgery, nevertheless. Then the letter. Is bogus, obviously. Well, it's a trap. Someone is trying to lure us to that warehouse. Quite. Well, then we'd better hurry to Sir Hartley's and warn him. I fear it's too late, Watson. I'm willing to wager that Sir Hartley has in some similar manner been lured from his home. I'm willing to wager further that he is at the warehouse. Yes, but Holmes, if it's a trap, surely we're not going. On the contrary, we are. Perhaps, Watson, we can spring the killer's trap without savoring the cheese. So, the house is a dark and chilly place. Must say, deserted. Unless the fellow is you there, Watson, it only seems deserted. I have a feeling we're being watched. Tell you the truth, so do I. Walking up this corridor between these huge piles of machinery. Yes, marine machinery. Sir Hartley Ames, among other things, owns a steamship liner. Holmes. <coughs> what is it? I, I just kicked something. What was it? Uh, something soft. It felt like... A body? Yes. Quick, Watson, the match. Here you are, Holmes. Good heavens. It's Sir Hartley Ames. Yes, shot through the heart. And note, Watson, there is a flake of paraffin in his left nostril. A significant detail, I might add. Yes, but Holmes, what are you doing? A quick search of Sir Hartley's pockets. I have an idea that... Aha! What is it, Holmes? A note, Watson. A forged note from myself to Sir Hartley asking him to meet us here. So that's how Sir Hartley was lured from his home. Precisely. You remember I gave him strict orders not to move unless he heard from me. Yes, sir. Watson, that pile of crates just above it is toppling down. Look out! Up! Watson, are you all right? Yes, Holmes, I... There goes the killer. He's running toward the rear entrance. Halt, you blackguard! Halt! got away from us again. He did indeed, Watson. Oh, I must confess, Holmes, I'm not the hand with the, with the pistol I was at my wand. You know, time and age dim a man's eye, I'm afraid. <laughs> I, I saw the bounder shadow uh, moving along the fence behind the warehouse here. I saw him go through the rear gate. 
Did I missed it? All the way. <laughs> Come, Watson, don't be too upset. Our quarry sought to kill two birds with one stone, but he managed to down only one. Moreover, in his escape, he's unwittingly given us some valuable information. It is significant that he did not hurdle that low fence, but chose the long way to the gate, even though you were firing at him. I, I confess, Holmes, I... Don't, don't you, Watson? Come, man. Come, the conclusion is elementary. At any rate, I'm becoming rather tired of being stalked by this assassin. I know who he is, and it's high time we close with him. You know who he is? I do indeed. More than that, I know where I can find him. Where? In a large brick building on Marylebone Road, just east of Baker Street, and only a few doors from our own room. That brick building is... Precisely, Watson. It houses that famous London museum, Madame Tussauds Waxworks. What in blazes, Holmes, would the killer be doing at Madame Tussauds Waxworks? Suppose we go there and find out, Watson. Uh, you mean tomorrow morning? On the contrary, Watson. I mean... Tonight. All right, Watson, close that window, Jimmy. Right, Holmes. I suppose you're aware we're breaking an entry. My dear Watson, I cannot quibble with legal technicalities at this moment. Come, let us inspect this museum. Oh, it's an eerie place at night, I must say. Hmm. All these wax figures standing around? They look juice and lifelike now. Look, Holmes. Here's Napoleon Bonaparte. Hmm. Julius Caesar, Oliver Cromwell. Holmes, wait a Yes, Watson, a new wax effigy of Sir Hartley Ames made within the last ten minutes. The waxen face is still warm to the touch, and the scar from the assassin's knife still shows. And the killer made a mold of Sir Hartley's face as he lay dead in the warehouse. Precisely, eh? Watson. You recall the fake of paraffin we found in Sir Hartley's nostril and... Watson. Yes, Holmes? There's light under that door. So there is. Shall come to grips with our quarry very soon now. Keep your pistol at the ready and follow me. There was no one in here, Holmes. True. Seems to be a small workshop. Yes, it. Holmes, good Lord! Look at that waxen statue. Yes. You recognize it, Watson? Well. It's a waxen image of you, Holmes. It is indeed. Made by a master artist. Our friend the assassin giving it a little preliminary work before he did away with me. I do think the nose is a little too aquiline and the face rather thin, but... Watson, get back against the wall. The killer's coming back into his workshop. But Holmes, who is it? Obvious. The strange old man we met on the pavement at the entrance to Baker Street. Be ready when he comes in, Watson. Right. Stand where you are! What? And don't reach for that uh, knife, my dear fellow. I assure you, Dr. Watson will not hesitate to blow your head off at the slightest provocation. That's all. You've caught me, Mr. Holmes. You've finally caught old Lassler. I have indeed. And I assure you that you'll be hung for your crimes in very short order. It doesn't matter, Mr. Holmes. Nothing matters. Let them hang me now. Let them hang old Lassler, the greatest artist in wax the world has ever known. In heaven's name, Lassler. Why did you commit these, these terrible murders? Dr. Watson, I am an artist, a great artist. I, Lafleur, who studied under the great Marie Tussaud. But uh, I am old and sick, and I have not long to live. The museum was about to retire me, but I didn't want to retire. I still had work to do. There are great men and women still living worthy of recognition in Madame Tussaud's waxwork. 
I wanted to carve their images in wax for posterity. But I had so little time, so little time. And the museum would not allow me to immortalize them until they were dead. So you took matters in your own hands? Yes, Mr. Holmes. I couldn't wait for them to die, so I had to kill them myself. You, Mr. Holmes, you were to be my greatest triumph. I had already begun work on you, and reserved a favored place for you here in the museum. Next. To Napoleon. Holmes, now we have delivered our assassin to Inspector Lestrade, I still don't see how you detected old Lafleur and how you traced him to Madame Tussaud. Obvious, my dear Watson. First of all, I knew the killer was an old man. Remember, he was not agile enough to climb over that low fence in the rear of the warehouse even when he was under fire. Then, too, Watson, you recall the time we met old Lafleur in the rain in front of our rooms here? Yes. His coat was only slightly wet. That indicated he walked but a short distance, and Madame Tussauds is only a few steps from here. But his boots gave him away, Watson. Yes, how? They were waterproof in some spots and wet in others. That meant that his boots were spotched with drippings of wax, Watson, the material of his profession. The forgery of the wax seal of the Bank of England and, of course, the flake of paraffin we found in Sir Hartley's nostrils were added evidence. There is only one question left unanswered in my mind, Watson. Yes? What's that, Holmes? I wonder how I would have looked in wax, standing next to Napoleon. Dr. Watson, that was an exciting adventure indeed. Thank you, Mr. Harris. I thought you'd find it interesting. However, I might add that Holmes never got his wish. Madame Tussaud's waxworks burned down in March of 1925, and all the Napoleonic relics were destroyed. I see. And, Doctor, what adventure will you have for us next week? Next week, Mr. Harris, I shall relate to you the adventure of the Bloomsbury Ballot. It concerns a punch ticket an empty coal scuttle, and a sentimental sock. The makers of Clipper Craft clothes in more than 1,200 stores from coast to coast have brought you another in the new series of broadcasts featuring the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. Our stories are based upon the character Sherlock Holmes, created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and the program is produced and directed by Basil Lochran. Sherlock Holmes is played by John Stanley, Dr. Watson by George Felton. This week's story was written by Max Ehrlich with special music by Albert Berman. If you don't know your Clippercraft dealer, write Clippercraft, 200 Fifth Avenue, New York City. Sure to listen next week to Sherlock Holmes in The Adventure of the Bloomsbury Ballad.
This is Cy Harris speaking for Clipper Craft Clothes. This is a mutual broadcasting system. Well, that's us done for this week. This week is over and we have finished that with Sherlock Holmes. I hope you are sat back and relaxed with your feet up or in bed having a good old listen or have had a listen. And I hope you are ready now for the week ahead. Anyway, I will be back tomorrow night from 6pm GMT for some more fabulous stories to help you relax, clear your mind of all the day's troubles or worries or whatever it might be and help you drift off to sleep. Don't forget you can check out my podcast page at patreon.com forward slash foxy after dark. I can't wait to catch up with you all tomorrow night for some Monday adventure and I will see you all again soon. Stay safe everybody. Always be kind. Love you all. Bye.